But imagine that we forgot about the name tequila, or we forgot about the name mezcal, or we forgot about the name bacanora. Uh, for one minute or five minutes of the rest of our lives, we just talk about agave spirits in general. Welcome to Elixir of the Gods. This is Albert. I'm here today with, of course, my co-host Diego. Hello, Diego. Hello, Albert. Glad to be here. And we decided to uh, record an episode today because we have a guest from Mexico. It's Esteban. Hello, Esteban. Hey, hi, everyone. We wanted to take the opportunity to have uh, somebody who really is close to the agave culture and who, who works in there directly in Mexico to have a conversation. We don't know yet where this conversation uh, will lead us, but we wanted to take the opportunity anyway. And uh, Esteban, how did you come to Berlin? Why are you in Berlin at the moment? Very easy for the agave spirits. <laughs> They take me here. I came to Europe at least one time a year. 2019 is a special year for us. We are uh, opening new markets like Italy and Spain. Berlin is always a stop for us because we have here our base. We export directly to Germany and from Germany we send to the other European countries. So Berlin is, is, is a special city for us. So who's us? Us. We have a I'm a partner in a company that calls Rinserum that imports many of our spirits from Mexico and distribute around Europe. Diego and I, we have this, this project that is two years old. And we start this because uh, as we work with very small categories of agave spirits in Mexico, we found that many of the companies here didn't want to take the risk of making a proper order and buy from us these little expressions so we decided to do it ourselves and we take that risk and we are doing well so now after berlin i'm going to madrid and and milan for an event called agave experience so we will do a couple of master classes here and visiting the distributor in Madrid and do some master classes in Milan. I would like to add, Esteban is also the owner of a couple of uh, beautiful brands in Mexico. He's the owner of the Rumbes and La Venenosa, which in my opinion would be categorized of, as some of the most beautiful mezcales you can find in general, well-made in all of Mexico. And also a very good friend of mine since we were, what, 12, something like 15? Yeah, yeah. I know him since a long time ago. And that's why we're partners here in Germany. But the most, important, the most important part is to say that Esteban is very, very into the world of agaves, very much. He travels basically every month, two or three, two or three times uh, a month, to the mountains to see the producers. I've been with him. It's a heavy, heavy work, but it's a beautiful, awesome way to do the job. You know, he, 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 he Albert... We have to go. <laughs> for sure, for sure. We have to go I to Mexico. I want to go. Definitely. See, I want see, to go. in the future, yeah. with this, maybe bring the equipment and tape directly from the producers and everything. Maybe we can translate. That would also be very interesting. Thank you for being here, Esteban, today. Yeah. And I just wanted to say we, I think two episodes ago, we were at Puntas Gracias and the crown jewel that we tasted was the... Uh, Puntas. Was the Puntas from... From Venenosa. And it was... Uh, oh, yeah. it was delicious. It yeah. was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. Yeah. I, I, I drink that expression a lot. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah. And I, I'm not a big drinker, so I like to drink 
small quantities, but a lot of volume. <laughs> I don't know if I explain myself, but puntas is an expression that is about 60% alcohol. That is like the cream of the cream of a, of a batch. So it's a very specific cut of the distillation. So you don't drink much water when you drink puntas. And that's why I choose sometimes to drink that, you know, it's, it's, I fly from Mexico to, to Europe with a couple of bottles in my bag. So I can drink that in the airplane. <laughs> so, Have yeah. a good night's sleep. I, well, <laughs> very well. And so the masterclasses that you do, what, what are you doing in, in, in these masterclasses? Generally, I'm not an ambassador of my own brands. I consider myself as a bridge between the Mexican culture and the market. And I like always to share my expertise and my experience of general in, in, in the culture of spirits and not just about a name in the bottle or not just about the brand. My talk and, and the way I work, the way that my passion goes is to share that realities of Mexico and the realities comes also with some cultural products and that's mezcal for me. Mezcal, also I would like to be very clear When I talk about mezcal, it's a general expression of all agave spirits in, from Mexico and not, not just mezcal as we know it today in the market. That's a tricky thing, but we can go there first. I'm explaining mezcal always with like two columns. One is history, another one is economics and politics together. So by history... All agave spirits are mezcal. That's, that's the first thing that we need to be clear. So mezcal is a general word that describes agave spirit because the meaning in the native Nahuatl language of Mexico that is Nahuatl, mezcal means cook agave. So everything that came from cook agave, it is a mezcal. So tequila is a mezcal. So Mezcal is a mezcal. And even Sotol is a kind of a mezcal. You would call it mezcal too in, in Mexico, no. right? No, no, no. In no, Mexico, no. You, they would call it mezcal. No. Now they found that it's... Yeah, but it's, it's quite a couple of years, like more than 30 years, that uh, a biologist and researchers in that botanical area found that Sotol plant is not an agave, not even close. They are not related. Yeah. Okay. So for that reason, uh, Sotol can be called mezcal today. But it was uh, confusing because for a long time people think in Sotol as a mezcal from the north part of Mexico. But let me finish with the, the first, with the first topic that it was trying to explain what is mezcal and what is not. And then we say tequila is a mezcal, mezcal is a mezcal. For example, if you heard about Raicilla, that is one of my my more close project, Raicillas Mezcal made in the state of Jalisco with different agaves that is not Blue Weber, that is the famous one talking about tequila. And Bacanora, that is from Sonora, is also a mezcal. So we need to understand that first, like by history. And in my expression of mezcal, I'm not 
just referring to the denomination of origin mezcal. I'm just referring in general to agave spirits. And and then we can just go through. Yeah, of course. Yeah, We we tried to cover this in a couple of earlier episodes before. So we, we talked about Bacanora, we talked about Sotol and what makes it different from, from tequila or mezcal. So the denomination of origin um, is uh, something... Uh, you, our listeners, might already know a little bit about, but it's interesting. I I read a little bit about it once in a while, and it's it's kind of a moving object, isn't it? So it's uh, it, it it changes what is mezcal and what is uh, is, is there is a, a bit of movement uh. always <laughs> because the the laws of these denominations of origin can be changed every four years. So they realized that maybe the laws that they write before was wrong and they needed to change it. Or sometimes they needed to attend to the commercial part and the industry grow and they change it in a very bad way. So sometimes the law, they are flexible because they are writing by the people who runs the industry. Mm, mm, so mm. that's the tricky part of the denominations of origin. And in Mexico, we are quite new about the denominations of origin. So, for example, let's take wine as an example. Mezcal, I explained it before, is a, it was a general word, like to describe a, a huge aspect, a huge amount of products. So, mezcal is agave spirit, the same as wine. Wine is wine everywhere. So from inside wine, we have a lot of different denominations of origin. Some ones in Spain, some others in, in Italy, some others in France. But you can use wine from Rioja, wine from Duero, wine from Bordeaux, wine from Alsacia, wine from the Rhine in here. But Mexico, instead of making mezcal from here, mezcal from there mezcal from this village with this specific technique and this specific local agaves, he plays in a very comfortable way and protect the worth. They didn't protect the culture. They didn't protect a technique of a specific terroir or a specific culture of a specific place. They just say, let's do mezcal appellation of origin and we cover everything mm -hmm. and it will be cheap. That was the first big mistake in this denomination of origin mezcal that covers nine states of Mexico. And Mexico is a huge country. You know, it's like covering with just one appellation of origin, Spain, France, and Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Together. Yeah. <laughs> and in that three countries, you can find more than 500 different denominations of origin of different products. And Mexico just make one that embraced all together. So, for example, the production of uh, Santa Catarina Minas in Oaxaca is a completely different mezcal from the one that produced 40 minutes away in Matatlán. They are like two worlds, completely different, but they are inside the same appellation of origin. And that's just inside Oaxaca. And then imagine you can travel by car 2,200 kilometers in the north to Durango, And you will arrive 
in a completely different environment, in a completely different land, in a completely different culture and people and families. And then they have the same appellation of origin mezcal with a completely different technique, with a completely different raw material, with a completely different vision. And it covers, and its regulatory council is the same as Santa Catarina Minas in Oaxaca or Matatlán in Oaxaca or Michoacán that is also a completely different world. That's a very, very basic denomination of origin. What's the consequences of doing this very basic and kind of a naive denomination of origin that the government think it was the easiest way? But it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. No, no. It's, 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 it, imagine this. like People from Tamaulipas, that is the northeast, close to the Atlantic in the Gulf, People say, why should I give everything of my knowledge, everything of my own culture to Oaxaca Regulatory Council? And they tell me, no, you mezcal is not good. Mm, mm. They don't fucking have a clue, sorry for the fucking, about the, <laughs> about, <laughs> about the mezcal from Tamaulipas. And they have to certificate and, and make the regulation for an area that they don't have a clue. Yeah, so that's very tricky. It's, 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 so this part today of the denominations of origin are pushing the people out. I see. Okay. So the next, I saw the future of agave spirits as agave spirits. So imagine this for a moment. I don't know if it's, it's going to be complicated for some people. But imagine that we forgot about the name tequila. Or we forgot about the name mezcal. Or we forgot about the name Bacanora. Uh, for one minute or five minutes of the rest of our lives, we just talk about agave spirits in general. So there will be no difference between that names. And it, they will be very easy for us to say, we have all these agave spirit family from Mexico, but in each region we have different techniques, different agaves, different water source that makes a completely different profile but it is the same family yeah yeah and and when you choose a name for ego and trying to make a uh, recognition of yourself in a specific area you have to try to lie and build a differences between each other so now we need to explain what's the difference between mezcal and tequila but basically by history there is no difference instead of geographic, raw material, same agave, but different varieties, etc., etc. So we need now to increase the differences between each other instead of build the same family together. See, what I really like about uh, Mezcal and what we, we did an episode about it earlier is when to read the bottle. I really like to see okay, uh, what is a plant? How was it harvested? How was it fermented? And so this already creates a picture for me how the mezcal might taste. You might be misled anyway. Sometimes it tastes very different than from what you think. But I like the idea that, okay, the diversity of how it is made, mm -hmm. you can see it on the bottle already. And it's, it's clear, it's transparent. You can see, ah, okay, uh, you know, maybe if you're more into clay pot uh, distillation, you see, ah, okay, I can look at the ones that are made with clay pot. And I don't care so much if it's a 
if it's from the north or from the south or, or what the plant is. But I, I like exactly. Yeah, I, like I think I think that's exactly what Esteban is referring to. It's like if if the bottle, if you never read the front part and it didn't, or if you did, but it didn't say mezcal or tequila or anything, and you just went to the back of the bottle and read this is an this is an angustifolia. This this was. Uh, distilled once or twice in a clay pot uh, with this type of water, with this type of yeast. Anybody who has a bit or, or a, a, little, a little experience in the agave world could, without knowing if it's an, um, a mezcal, an agave distilled, a tequila, a canora, could say, maybe I like this product. Mm -hmm. Just by reading the back. It doesn't have to say mezcal, tequila, agave. It doesn't have, you know? So I think that's what Esteban is referring to, which is, which is true. It's, it's important. A, it's, it's an utopia, right? I just <laughs> invited you to think about it because <laughs> the truth today is a completely different thing. So denominations of origin in Mexico will not disappear. They will continue to grow and continue to try to position their products. But at the same time, we will see more families of producers of mezcal getting away of the denominations of origin, even families from tequila getting away of the denomination of origin tequila and trying to sell their products just generally as an agave spirit. So that's going to make us and encourage us to open our minds and trying to drink products by their ethics, flavors and quality and not just by a category because we've find a lot, many simplistic decisions of I like tequila, I don't like mezcal, or I like mezcal and I don't like tequila. And it's a very tricky thing because by law, tequila can be smoky and cooking underground. Nobody do that, but you, you can find it. And, and mezcal can be cooked by steam using Blue Weber and taste as a tequila. Mm. So that simplistic decisions of some part of the market and consumers is because they don't have the, the, the whole spectrum. spectrum and they don't know the laws and they don't know that they are the same thing. It's funny. I think this, this is a paradox of human nature at all. So we want to have things on one hand very simple. So as you say, okay, I can put this in this category, I can put this in, in this category. But also as a consumer, I want to have something individual. I want to, I want to taste something like with food. I want to, you know, I don't want to eat McDonald's every day. I want to taste food that is special, that is unique. And, and so it, it's, it's this kind of so, yeah, in the first level, you need some kind of place where you can put it. But on the other hand, you want you want to go into the details, and you want to have very distinguished tastes and very distinguished uh, like experiences with it. So it's and and how to find the right balance is is probably one of the questions why 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 we are struggling sometimes, and it's hard to find the right things. Yeah, maybe a bit philosophical <laughs> here, but no, no, true, no, but it's true, it's true, it's true. But but that's why I, I wanted to. to to bring in this and also trying to encourage the, the, the consumers of mezcal and tequila and, and other agave spirits to go, go further and a little deeper into the knowledge of what they are drinking and not just choose drinking by a category. Mm. Just choose to drink by a flavors, profiles, and, 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 and the quality of the liquid. Because... I. 
I found, so I will be general and not say names, but for example, uh, a bar owner here in Germany that is specialized in tequila and trying to grow into the mezcal category because it's normally the way it is. So the people know first tequila and then they open the door to other mezcals and then go through. I have the chance to make them an, a, an a tasting in back there in Mexico some maybe a year ago or so. And I asked the question, like, you enjoy tequila, right? Yeah, it's like your expertise. And they say, yes, uh, we like a lot tequila. And, and we have a couple of years of this bar running and specialized in tequila. So I make a blind tastings of different uh, Blue Weber tequilas. And one of them, it was a mezcal mm -hmm. made in the state of Zacatecas with the same Technica tequila, with the same Blue Weber variety. And... That's like one hour ahead in the north of Tequila, but you cross the border of the state. So this, the next state doesn't have the appellation of origin Tequila. They have the appellation of origin Mezcal. <laughs> so before telling them what was in the blind tasting, I know that we offer but a distributor that specifically Mezcal that tastes as a Tequila And they refuse it to buy it. Okay, so because it's the wrong name on the label. Basically. Exactly, exactly. But they enjoy it most in the blind tasting. And I ask them, oh yeah, what happened? Do you, do you carry this mezcal in, 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 in your bar? And say, no, that mezcal is, is not good. I don't like it. And I say, you just like it. <laughs> you just try it and enjoy it <laughs> because you think it wasn't a tequila. Mm -hmm. But when you read the label and see that it was a mezcal, you think it was a bad mezcal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how tricky is these denominations of origin. And that's why you're here how, as well, I guess. <laughs> and it's how tricky can be our nature of choosing by categories exactly. and not by the flavor profiles. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's our job. That's trying to broke that ideas and encourage to be more open-minded. And there is not just one reality, you know? There is not just a smoky mezcal and a, and a steamy, clean tequila. There is so much more gray areas between them. Like, and, if, and when I talk about the reality of this family of Zacatecas that makes an amazing mezcal that tastes as a great tequila... And how the people can say, no, this is not mezcal, this is a, 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 they taste differently, it's not a smoky. You are, stop the growth of a family that trying to reach the market and put an amazing quality mezcal. You know, you, we never think about families, we never think about the social aspects. Yeah. I don't know if I'm, 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 I'm explaining myself. I like, think, no, of course. Like we, we. We stop the growth commercially of a family for a very basic concepts that we decide to go through. Mm -hmm. That's the, the, the danger position of these denominations of origin. So this regulatory... You think some families have trouble selling their product just... Fuck, yeah, Zacatecas is broke. Is broke. Because because they don't have the te the tequila denomination or because they have to they, they have to certify their both, bottles both okay. the first it was 
that the appellation of origin tequila add into their territory Michoacán. Part of Zacatecas, a, yeah. No, they add a part of Michoacán, a part of Nayarit, sí. a part of Guanajuato, because that part of the land, it wasn't developed to produce. It was developed for farm. Ah. Uh, so Jalisco, Could keep with control. altos and, 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 and tequila, okay. can control the production. Okay. But this specific area of Zacatecas that is the most related and closest as a microclimate as a culture, as a family who owns lands in tequila and Zacatecas, it was ready to compete in production. And so were... by political decision, they left it out of the appellation okay. of origin okay, tequila. Okay, okay. So that was the first, like... Mistake. Act. It's or... not a mistake. It was uh, yeah, on it was purpose. intended. It was intended, yeah. And the, so second, was... the second one is when they reached the denomination, agave, the denomination of origin mezcal, and mezcal growth from Oaxaca as the first like big state, now everybody in the mark in the market thinks that mezcal should be smoke. Yeah, I agree with you. But they don't understand that the nomination for origin mezcal cover nine states mm -hmm. of Mexico. They are huge. It's like half part of Europe. Yeah. In just one denomination that has completely different realities. Yeah, yeah, it's, co it's super complicated. It, it, I'm trying to explain in the beginning of the conversation that each state, each region has completely different realities, completely different history of development. Like this one in Zacatecas, they developed at the same time as the tequila region. So they have the same agaves, they have the same techniques, they taste as a tequila, but we forgot by history because marketing tells us that tequila is tequila, not mezcal, we forgot that tequila is a mezcal, by the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you're reading a bottle in, the, in, the, in, a, in a, an Italian wine, you read Denominazione d'origine controllata e protetta, or, it was so, uh, or something like that. What are they referring to in this case? Because they use the word, it's a wine, And when they say that they have a denomination of origin, what are they? What what does the law say in that case? You know, you know that? Not not specifically. But wh why are they protecting it? Like for example, if, because if we if we go to this beautiful imaginary yeah, but they have place, a, they, you took but us. But Chianti, let's take Chianti. Yeah, they have a name for each appellation of origin. A every do in Europe has a description name. Okay. It's ah, not just claro. a, it's not just denomination for Wine, origin see. protect. Yeah, yeah. Is Chianti is yeah. in a specific region that yeah, yeah. has a specific laws with a specific type of grapes that they use. Yeah, that's what they protect. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that's... Barolo and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Sangiovese. Yeah, yeah. No, Sangiovese right. is a grape. It's a grape, yeah. No, you're right. I think what they're protecting is normally what they're protecting is because I, in fact, I read it not so long ago. The more specific you can be on the territory is what they're protecting. So in, it, in Italy or in France, the more specific the, the label of the, where this wine was produced in France, the finer the wine. That's what I was reading because they're, they're telling you it was produced not... If you read Bordeaux, then it's like, okay, that's a pretty general word, you know? Bordeaux is huge. But if it, it, it reads... Ot Medoc Bordeaux, then you're 
going to a specific. And then if it reads uh, this certain part of the Haute Medoc in Bordeaux, then you're talking about a very specific wine, and this wine is finer. It's a finer wine to drink. And it's the same in Italy, you know, so... But maybe you don't enjoy it. No, no, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> no, and it's, it's in the square meters, appellations of origin. Yeah. And, and that's the, the, one, the things that we needed to put in a balance between this huge denomination of origin in Mexico that sometimes Europeans doesn't get it. Mm. Because think... you think in this small, as you explain it, a very small and specific terroir. I think that Mexico has two adva uh, disadvantages from me as a viewer, as a European. First of all, we don't have a sense of scale. So because Mexico is not so much in our Western European minds as France or Italy is. Of course. And so that's the one thing. And also Western culture is dominating. So a lot of people, even non-Western Europeans, know about France and Italy because they had, had a cultural impact and... We don't have to discuss why you had this impact, but but it's 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 more universal knowledge because of the history we have, and, and Mexico doesn't have that. So if you if you say to a, uh, anybody on the streets here in Berlin, you know where Jalisco is? No, no idea. Nobody has an idea. Exactly. If you if you ask somebody, you know where Sicily is, or you know where? Uh, of course, for sure, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah, most people will will be able to answer that. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and yeah, as we we being colonized by Spanish, so we learn in the school about European history. So yeah, that's true. But if you enjoy the Gava spirits, you can read a little and and visit some maps and trying to 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 do your homework. Yeah, no, to to use that in your favor and at least understand where these things happen. No, no. I and easy, I, I, I don't know, but I like maps. You know, <laughs> I'm traveling train and I'm, my brain is like a, a GPS trying to understand where we are and what we are crossing. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, a, I draw maps in my mind all the time. I like to know where I am. Mm -hmm. And, but that's, my, that's me, you know. That, I, I have a question, Esteban. The, 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 Agave distill is also an appellation of origin nowadays in Mexico, no. right? It's not an appellation of origin. No, no, no. It's, a, it's, it's, it's just a, it's just it's, a generic word. It's the generic word. Okay. Like, and it's then 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 they can use it in the states. That's, they can they can use it everywhere in the world yeah. because I hear they're producing already in the U.S. some certain types of agave distills. Not 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 even nowadays. I I hear in Texas they do it since. Quite some time, not uh, 300 years, but like 30 to 50 years, they have been producing in Texas some agave distills. Not that long. No? No, no. And in Texas, I think it was a Sotol, and, and the discussion was why they use Sotol, because Sotol is a very native expression of Mexico, and the Texas territory didn't use that word. But we don't know, certainly, because not that long, Texas was part of Mexico. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. So here you can s still see there is a cultural, there was a cultural inf influence. So, so I, I'm not surprised that Texas does agave spirits and and so tall. Of course, I, yeah. The south, all the south of the U.S. Could, I mean, it's just a line, man. Hmm? A line drawn by politicians. Uh -huh. As a matter of fact, 
when they drew that line, for sure some families were apart, you yeah. know? So my, my uncle lives on that side, and I live on this side. My uncle is American, and I'm Mexican. So, you know, when they drew the line. When, mm. I don't know. So how do, how do you feel in general? How do you feel if, uh, let's say, uh, agave spirits would be produced in Europe or in, in, in Asia? How, how does it make you feel? That's a good question. Um, I will... I want to take a little more reference in history, a little, just trying to be fast. The colonize of uh, America was made by different countries of Europe, and we have a lot of share information and culture. So whiskey started happening in the in United States, no, and they became bourbon, or they they changed one word, and they but they do whiskey. And then Japan jumped into the into the game and started doing an amazing expressions of whiskey. So they encourage Scotch to make a Scotch appellation of origin, like trying to to protect themselves. But they didn't cover the name whiskey. They just say we are Scotch whiskey, mm -hmm. but whiskey can be made in any part of the world. The same happened with gin. We don't know as If it starts in England or it starts in Holland, and they can find, they can fight all 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 the things they want. But now you can find genes from every part of the world, and everybody's fine with it. And now also you can make vodka not just in Poland, Russian. You can find amazing vodkas from France or uh, North America or any part of the world. So every single category of the spirits they're open to be produced in any part of the world once we say this i'm glad and happy to see that our plant because agave is from mexico and central america and north central america and they adapt very well to the mediterranean and to other uh, microclimes in different countries And that happened in the colony a long time ago. They also trade plants, and not just money or gold or yeah, silver. Nowadays, if you go to, and that to, plant, to the islands here in the Mediterranean, you find a lot of agaves. A lot. That happened in the colony. Yeah, yeah. So if you find a plant in your country, wherever the plants arrive, that's not the problem. And you use it for the wealth of your community and, and you respect that, It's cool. You don't call it mezcal, but you call it agave spirit and do it and bring it into the conversation for this world category and how you do it and how you respect your land and how you learn to produce and what is the variety. And imagine this. Now we have the opportunity of trying agave americana from five, six different states of Mexico and agave americana from India and agave americana from the Mediterranean and agave americana from South Africa and maybe agave americana from California. So we can build an, a profile of this agave and how this agave changed in these different countries with these different water sorts and completely like different, completely different yeah. yeast. So that excites me. Mm -hmm. I don't feel any bad about this mm. for that also I like to just quit about these little names of 
denominations of origin mm. and i will like that my products play in the game of just agave spirits mm -hmm. and 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 when you open that chance to other countries also encourage you to do the better of you can so you can tell the people that mexico is the beginning of this and we're still doing the best mm -hmm. and we will show that mm. in front of the world mm. yeah I mean, yeah 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 that's I, that's my vision about these people trying to do their own experiments of agave spirits out there yeah but I, I, i'm <laughs> clap my hands for them like thank you because we will encourage us to do better Okay, so it's the, you think the competition is good for everyone. Yeah. But at the same time, and maybe because I'm an outsider, I look at this uh, uh, this way. So there's so much culture in how agave spirit are produced. It has been over centuries and it's really hard to track down how it started and everything but it's it's very significant to to the to the region to the to the families sometimes so you know if you produce agave spirits in in europe or somewhere else or uh, you don't have that link you don't have that link to the culture so it, it's missing something I, i'm not sure if you can taste it but it's it's uh Maybe, maybe I, I agree. I fully agree with you, Albert. Maybe in the beginning you would have an industrialized product made by a by a guy who studied in university instead of a fifth generation or, or seventh generation distiller. But imagine in five generations, where if his son, the son of this engineer with a great nose, keeps on going, and the grandson, and then you have a fourth generation of uh, agave Italian agave distillers and then you say man these guys in a hundred years they they have made a good product the first bottles were not that good but now these guys have a recipe and they they can do it you know i i think also, that would be as sorry? you you said before as an uh, outsider and you see all these deep 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 cultural aspects of mezcal i think we will save it as the precious thing that we have Mm -hmm. And you as a consumer will look after that important aspects of the culture. But also having these people trying to play the game mm -hmm. will encourage the consumer to learn more about us. So it's in a way the, re the, the reversion of, of colonization. So you have a cultural product and, and your culture is exported into 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 different co continents now what what a mezcal bottle do, from mexico does now it's it's a piece of culture it makes people aware you know uh, it's uh, mexico is more than sombreros and tacos you know that it's uh, uh, so there are so many stereotypes about about uh, yeah we exactly. have donkeys too <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a continuation of the colony you know because in the end we don't know this as a fact but it's the most accepted way to see it until now but we think the, the alambic came with the spanish because it's a it's an arab artifact you know we mm. don't know we don't know we don't know but in the way if it did or if it didn't we know it, it it could have been it could have come from another place but not necessarily invented in mexico so in the end it's globalization it's yeah. it's coming from somewhere else and it's just it, it will keep on traveling you know mm. now They, they they brought the alambic or they brought the Filipino style or they brought whatever they brought. 
it was in Mexico, but it didn't stop its travel there. Mm -hmm. The travel continues. So mm -hmm. now we we had something to distill and we had the plant. So now the plant is traveling and the method is already there. So mm -hmm. it's maybe unstoppable. It's an unstoppable situation for basically everything now in the world with all the connections we have and the information, the fast, the way it travels and everything. Yep. But you say, well, we trying to export of culture and now the people realize that they can also make something because they have that raw material in their own land and that's a natural consequences of going out there mm. yeah and i don't see a, a threat to lose our culture i think i saw an a potential to increase our pride to be the beginning of this that's a nice way to see it actually I, I i like that so you we we started this we and and it's a success and and, and we and need to encourage exactly. the families and the no, owners of this knowledge to keep it to raise the family with that knowledge with uh share we are in danger of losing um this information passed through the generations For, for for a long time but now as the market grow we will grow also in business and so these families also doing well so the new young generations will want to jump into this business of agave spirits and continue the traditions of the families I, I, I love the way the conversation has made a circle right now because we went all the way from a dream of the whole world and blah 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 and connections and globalization but you're also very in touch very close to the families. So to the micro-specific situation of the agave world. Now, I would like to ask you, we're going to zoom way out from where we were in, in a global world to a family producing mezcal. You think, I also use the word mezcal for every agave distill. I, I, I always mention it in every chapter, <laughs> but I always say mezcal for everything. So to a family producing an agave distill. What changes have you seen in the families with this not yet mega boom, but there is a boom of mezcal in the world? Have you seen changes? Do you see, for example, in the little towns in Mexico, people used to go to the States always. The sons used to go to work to the otro lado and get money. Are, do you see some changes where they, they have pride to stay in the family and say, I want to help my father because this is a tradition? That's happening. That's happening. That's happening for sure. And also we saw people coming back from the States to Mexico to, to, to help the family to grow because it's happening. But um, it's still very, very, very a few numbers. So okay. It's, it's, it's just one little reality of Mexico. No, There is many others. And, yes, of and, course, and, of course, of course. Migrant uh, will continue. But in this specific social aspect of Mezcal, in these little uh, cells, like like families, yes, it's happening. The people is remaining and is working in their family business and is doing well, so they don't need to move away of Mexico. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. And also, we are just seeing that in in many villages where they used to produce mezcal, or uh, they lost the pride of being in a very small distillery doing with clay pots with not market just a few old men of the community 
So when they start receiving foreigners, visitors, like from every part of the world, and they recognize the culture that they own, they rebuild their own pride. Mm -hmm. So when the, the sons wanted to quit, to say, you know, the next generations, like the grandsons of this master distiller, they will go to the university and they don't do mezcal anymore. Now they say, okay, they will go to the university, but they also learn how to make mezcal and continue this. Okay, okay, okay. So it's, it's, it's changing their own I, perspective. I, I understand because I'm Mexican. I, I know how this... In Mexico, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a racist country, but it is a classist country, very classist country. So if, if, if you're from a city and if you're from the ranch the tendency is to see them downwards, you know? And that's awful. I'm not saying this, but that this is awful, but this happens. Yeah. So if, if these families which were making, what can I say? Like uh, elixir of the gods, you know, really, a, such a product, but they were doing it like in a very small place, a dusty place with old tools and blah, blah, blah. They wouldn't feel proud. Even if they were doing it, in the most complicated way possible because they were doing it with nothing, with squat, and they were producing liquid gold, you know? But they wouldn't be proud of it because they would feel like this is, we're, we're very poor. And this classist, classist system in Mexico makes them feel like a part. So and I am... And, 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 a, and, a, and a big reference that is tequila with huge distilleries exactly. and a lot of uh, invest When, and they are just neighbors. Mm. And they saw these beautiful big distilleries that everything works exactly. and they produce with fume and blah blah blah. Yeah, ten thousand liters a day and blah blah blah. So they, the son says, "Okay, I learned this because I'm like 35 years old and my father always pushed me to work. I will work, but my sons won't. They will not. Exactly. So now we, with this open, with bringing this product into the world." And also invited people to visit this world. They found themselves in their, that beautiful reality and owners of a beautiful culture. So they rebuilt that pride. And we saw these changes. So, for example, for that specific family that I do business together, they say that, you know, you will, we will make business together until I can work. The guy from the same age. But my sons will not continue with this business. That was the beginning of the business. After two years, all the sons are working in the distillery and, and learning how to make it. It's, it's funny. We, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm coming from a farm in, in Germany. I grew up on a, on a farm. And I'm, I'm looking at this and I don't think this is just classism. It's just a Mexican thing. So because if you look back 100, 150 years... Farming was hard, hard work, and one farmer fed like maybe ten people. Yeah, uh, let's. I'm not sure if that's the right, but it, it's the right like yeah, yeah. Uh, it's ratio. Not, it's yeah. the right ratio. Yeah, now a farmer feeds five hundred, six hundred people exactly. or something like that. Yeah. So escaping from that hard work and escaping, you know, go to the city, go to university, uh, uh, be a doctor or be a priest or something like that was like for the for for the family that was like a huge honor and it was a huge advancement and 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 it's also the same in 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 Germany if you call somebody a farmer it's almost like something 
derogative. It's something... Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a dumb person. A farmer is a dumb person, which is not the is case. It? No, no, it's not the case. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I understand the dignity of being a farmer. I mean, which work, which job has more dignity than a... Yeah. And it's, but I understand what you mean. Exactly. And, and yeah. it's, it's that job who feeds all the mouth. Exactly. You know? It, it, exactly. Who provides the job that provides the basis. The food. Yeah, the food, yeah, for our existence. You yeah, know, exactly. Like that, that you don't uh, have to spend your time thinking, okay, how can I fill my belly the next day? Exactly. You can think about, uh, yeah, you can think about theory of relativity. You can, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, Ciri, yeah of course, of Ciri, course. Ciri is, Ciri is a beautiful monster that takes us apart yeah. of the reality of the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this... The beauty, I mean, the beauty of this agave spiritual also that rural uh, reality, mm. yeah, and and that for some of them there are some techniques that didn't change in three hundred years. So for people who likes history, anthropology, and spirits, it's an amazing journey, like because it never ends. Some always show something different and something that you never see before, or something that will be new for you. So, it's a, if you want to jump in this journey, you have to be ready that it's not gonna end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I see. I see this with myself. I mean, you know, like th four or five years ago, like uh, I got introduced to this world of mezcal and like oh that's some smoky thing you know and and now i have tasted i don't know how many i've tasted but the more you 30, drink 40, 50, yeah, the deeper you get into it you cannot get out the fascination is is just too big but you have and, to and the more you erase stereotypes right yeah yourself too like like of the, course see the more you get into it the more you're like what's your favorite mezcal and then you're like i don't know man <laughs> that's it's it's basically impossible for me to answer that question maybe the one that i didn't try it yet yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly maybe exactly. Maybe, maybe one i haven't even tried yeah 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 it's complicated because for example and and and, and not every bottle tastes the same and uh not i have tried puntas several times but i had never tried puntas in a flight the way we did and then That's also a situation that, that's not part, uh, specific to mezcales. That's with every product. But if you do it in an organized way, when you're trying this, then this, then this, then this, it's also amazing how much more things you can find in the profile of a product just by paying attention, you know? Just like saying, okay, right now I'm concentrated in trying this, in, 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 in enjoying this. And you learn something, so you, you learn. You exactly. educate. So, what is the best way how to to educate yourself when you have some fun while doing it? Is exactly, it? yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to ask one more question, Stan. You, you you do sometimes road trips, no, in Mexico for educational road yeah, trips. Yeah. I would say that's one of the beautiful parts of this. Like we completely open to to receive and share our experiences with as many people as we can because the only way to make a, a true reference of the spirits we drink is to visiting the, the places where they made. How, how many families do you know? In, how many f have you visited? Do you know? Let me, let's go to the easiest question. <laughs> With how many families we work? <laughs> 
and do business like around 20 different families. And they are all all over over are are they is it specific to some regions or is it all over Mexico? A, a big part of Mexico, mm -hmm. but mostly in the state of Jalisco. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like is our, our home, and it's a very abandoned the agave spirits out tequila. Mm. Yeah, everything that is not a tequila was really abandoned. Mm. So it was very encouraged me to do all this job. Like um, it was not easy, but it's, it was like very satisfactory. So we built these companies with three columns. Social as the first column to support this business. Second, cultural. And the third, economics. So we have to have this empathy with the family. We need to learn from them. Also, we need to find families that the sons wants to continue doing this. So they also have culture to share and they understand that, that it will be a business for everyone. Mm -hmm. Sustainable business. Yeah. As well. yeah. So that's the, the, the trend main things that we're trying to find to start working with them. So right now, yeah, more than 20 families that we work with in um, divided in around seven different brands. Wow. And what's your dream? So where you want to be in two or three years? 40 families or, or you want to keep it small, small on purpose? It's not a small at all, yeah, anymore. It's a small each family, uh -huh. but the operation with all these like 20 families, there is not easy. So right now I need to stop adding expressions into this project so we need to focus on making a, 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 a proper line of distribution in the global market so we didn't lose any of the markets that we open mm. in my little 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 free time i'm doing my own farm of agaves and i'm doing my own distillery oh wow oh Yeah, you have some of it in... Uh... From 20 maestros. <laughs> so I will be the very first generation of my own. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be nice to try. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I hope to... To try. I don't know if enjoyable. No, but... no, yeah. That's... <laughs> I want to try. For sure it's going to be a process of learning. Yeah, yeah of course. So you're, you're just starting that. So you haven't produced anything yet? But we, st we start with the, with the farm mm -hmm. before I start with the distillation. Okay. So that's the, the first mistake of many people that they want to sell liquid right away but we want to farm agaves because that's the most important part of this is the raw material and takes a lot of time to grow so at least seven years right or at least seven years so we start the farm mm -hmm. before the distillery of course <laughs> so that's a sustainable way of doing and it. also is a it changed the game you know you are learning Not just how and, and, and so you, you learn the hard work, all of the, all of the steps, all of the way. Yep. Very good. Good luck with that uh, <laughs> the project. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so when are you expecting the first uh, bottle? Ah, uh, we don't know. <laughs> 2028. <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe, Maybe. we don't, as we have a lot of, um, support from the from the other distillers and, and and producers so they also helping me with the farm and the idea is 
to share the raw material. So I can build the distillery maybe in a year and they will provide me some agaves. Mm -hmm. So when my agaves are ready, I will provide them back. Mm -hmm. So it's a very... Okay. Okay, okay. So maybe can have a bottle in a, in a year or two years or maybe... In five. In five. Yeah. I, I'm not rushed. Mm. You know? That's good, I yeah. think, yeah. I think rush is the worst thing you can do in uh, yeah, the yeah. agave spirit world, isn't no, it? No, no. Yeah, sure. Every single step takes seven years. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lifetime... Uh, uh, it's a lifetime... Uh, yeah. I, I started this journey in 2008. And the first exportation of a product was 2012. And they didn't pay me until 2014. So it was very close to the seven years. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. Almost, almost. And then the, the very, like the good, the first good sell was 2014. Mm. And from there started things happening. Mm. You know? It takes a while. No, no. It takes a any, while. Any, any, any business you start, yeah. you have to wait to, to, to take some money out of it. Yeah, of course. Okay, should we call it a day? Call so, it a wrap, yeah. Uh, thank okay. you, Esteban, for, yeah, for thank coming you, over and taking your time. No, I know you're very busy. No, no. Thank you to inviting me to do this uh, interview. I really enjoyed the conversation. And it's always a pleasure to be in Berlin. It's a city that I really enjoy. And um, I hope you enjoy the talk, too. Yeah, very yeah, much. yeah. Very much. Yeah. Uh, the format of today was just having a little talk. But I really like that this angle that it's not very very much spoken about which is the denomination of origins its limitations and its advantages because there are some advantages because they give a name but the limitations are mostly never spoken about and i like that we went a bit deep on on, on that subject thank you yeah But I forgot yeah. to do the, the marketing thing. I came here to sell. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We don't sell in this podcast. I, I didn't talk about my brands at all. <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. No. Do you wanna? No, 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 I'm just no. kidding. But Okay, okay. Because normally we don't sell in the podcast. But, yeah, but drink Raisi, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, This Esteban. was a very enjoyable Thank you, Albert. Talk. Nice to see you. Yeah, yeah see nice. You yeah. <laughs> so we don't get together so much anymore at the And moment. No, no. I hope you understand the English. Ah, no problem. That I under, I, if somebody has a question in German, they can ask you, right? Yeah, exactly. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Ask Albert. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, guys. Goodbye. Thank you. Ciao, ciao.